0: At the moment, working through um, a series where we're looking at God's uh, faithfulness to his promise, and we're preaching through uh, some chapters in Genesis. And um, we're, for the last few weeks, been uh, journeying uh, through his uh, story. And we're going to continue that uh, this morning. And before I do that, I'm going to ask. God to interact with us. Let's do that. Lord and God, we thank you for your word. And Lord, sometimes we read these chapters and it's hard to make sense of them. Uh, It's hard to put them into the context of today. Uh, It's hard to know what uh, we're to do with them um, in our lives now. And so, Lord, as we uh, work through this and as I preach on this, I ask for your spirit to be active amongst us. Will you reveal your will? For us, will you reveal truth to us? Will you speak to us uh, through your Holy Spirit? And we ask that uh, yeah, we would hear your voice this morning in the name of Jesus. Amen. So, as we continue to follow uh, Abram's story, um, I just want to put a, a line in there that when we read through this Old Testament stuff, uh, often, particularly as we're going sort of through the patriarchs, we often end up focusing on the person, like Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph. And I just want us to be uh, mindful that the writers uh, of of the Old Testament, and New Testament too, as well, um, they're re- actually more. What's at the heart of their story is this: the story is always about God. And so we've always got to be when we're reading this stuff, we're not just focusing on Abraham and what he's doing. We're actually more to be looking at what God's doing. And so, uh, particularly when we read through uh, the Old Testament, we look at these people, we think, oh, how can I be more like Abram? How can I be more like Joseph? How can I be more like whatever? Uh, and sometimes that's not the only intent of the, the, the story captured. Actually, more the intent is what is God doing uh, in and around their lives? Because we have seen already and we've seen again today and we recognize as we go through uh, that these guys weren't always examples to follow. Uh, and the more Andrew and I have been sort of flicking through uh, and reading through, we've been saying, oh, I don't know, if I want to, I don't know that Abraham's such a great guy anymore uh, when you look at some of the things he was doing um, in, um, in his life. So as we read and as we're interacting uh, with this stuff, we're looking at what God's doing. And what we see God doing continually is that we see God interacting with sinful, broken, messed up people and choosing them to have his mission come to the world. He's choosing uh, the, mi- the messed up, the broken, the unfaithful people and he chooses them and says, I want my promises to be lived out through you. And he continues to do that <laughs> with like, people like you and me sitting here today. And that as we look at God's plan to save his people from evil, from sin, from death, and to set them on uh, an eternity with him, in um, reconciliation with him, uh, he often chooses the weak, the broken, uh, the messed up to have his promises be done. And this, uh, as we sang at the start, is a picture of a gracious God who is faithful to his promises despite uh, how his people live uh, and act. So as we uh, get into uh, the chapters today, chapter 16, uh, Abram is now uh, 86 years old. Uh, this is sort of 10 years on from when he first came into, uh, the, into the land of Canaan. And he still does not have any kids, uh, even though he's been uh, given these promises. Uh, and again, last week, if you were here, God promised that Abram would have descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky, or we've heard also is the dust on the ground or the sand on the seashore. Um, and that he's going to use uh, Abraham's ancestors uh, to do that. And that God, uh, last week if you were here, he made the commitment to Abram that even if you stuff up, I will be faithful. I'll take your place. And he sort of walked between uh, the dead animals and we... Uh, made that link uh, to Jesus as we celebrated the Lord's Supper. That God is faithful to His promise and has brought about um, the ability for um, us to be in that covenant and recipients of that covenant, because one day He would send His Son, who was the sacrificial Lamb that who died in place of us, so that that promise uh, could be uh, true to us, even though we haven't kept our side of that promise. And so, in this, Abraham still, or Abram is still waiting, and I th- I'm sure he's asking that question of how long. How long, O oh Lord? He's a, he's a man of great faith, or well, he is sort of, isn't he, if you read through the story, because often his faith wavers um, in 10 years. And I, I want to ask you that question. I want to ask us that question. How well do you wait? How well do you wait for God to do his thing, for him to fulfill his promise or to answer his prayer? Do you have uh, that tension of knowing when to act and when not to act? When to, when, you know, you might be been asking or praying about certain things and it's not happening the way you would expect. How do you trust God when you don't know what he's up to? When the stuff that's happening around you is not going according to your plan. And there's that desire for you to want to do something, uh, sort of to take things into your own hands and move on. And that's pretty well what we read in chapter 16. That's what Abraham and Sarah do. They say 10 years is too long. And so Abram and Sarah uh, take up or take things into their own hands and Sarah has this plan. She thinks that she can continue this line of Abraham's seed uh, by offering up her servant Hagar. And so they give it a go and nine months later Ishmael arrives. That's the rest of chapter 16. do you take things into your own hands? Do you get tired of waiting for God (laughs) to interact with what you might be thinking is right or with his promises? And I think uh, this passage and these chapters show that When we take things into our own hands, or when they take things and they're sinful, that is not what God wants. And so, here, uh, when we're thinking about and when we're waiting in this, we've got to continue to ask ourselves is what we're thinking of doing uh, a sin or not? Is it sinful? If it is, then don't do it. But as you would know, that's not always clear, is it? you're asking yourself the question i've been praying about this i've been seeking about god on this i've been wanting god to do and then i want to act on it and there's this question that rings in our head is this god or is this me because if it's if it's going to be me and i'm going to take control of the situation then maybe that's not the path i should be heading but how do you discern between those two Something has to happen. Maybe it's even as simple or not as simple as things like uh, choosing the right job or career to head head into. Uh, Maybe you've been uh, witnessing to someone and praying for someone in your family for a long time. Maybe it's health related that you've been praying for healing and Maybe it's just something that comes into your path that day and it's, should I help this person or not? I've got other things to get to and how do I discern whether this is right or wrong and what does God want me to do in that? And particularly when those things become long-term and you're you're wrestling with that reality of, um, I know that God tells me that faith without action is dead... (laughs) So I need to take some, but I want to make sure that it's what he wants is right as well. And how do we trust God in the uncertainty of that? And I think what we're seeing as we go through Abram's life is that yes, we discern the sin and the right and wrong and what we're discerning is that God's promises to us are true, even in that uncertainty of us not knowing whether we're doing the right thing or not. And the, as I said last week, the God's promises to us and to his people are not dependent on how well we do this. And this is not an excuse then just to give us uh, free reign to do anything we want and I'll do whatever I want because it's not dependent on that. No, but God's just reminding people, and through these stories, He says, despite how my people behave and interact with this, my promises are true. And as we've we've talked about, and flipping it into the New Testament for us, that God is building His church. God is at work. God is present with us. He will never leave you or forsake you. In that, and when we know those promises, as we sang and and, and we went through that bracket this morning, isn't it? It's that. Once we know those promises are true, then we seek to do all we can to live according to his ways, live in obedience, to make sure that we flee from sin, make sure that we uh, make the right decisions. And in a minute, we'll uh, talk a bit about uh, how we can do that uh, a bit more practically. But we know that in our situations, in the uncertainty of that, even as sin and evil are raging all around us, God is saying, trust me, I'm at work. It may not seem like it in your situation, and you might be in that uncertainty, but trust me, I'm at work. And I'm doing things that you can't see. So trust me in it. Keep clinging, keep walking with me. And God doesn't always, <laughs> as Roy alluded to, uh, he doesn't always answer the prayers that we're, the way we expect. We don't, things don't always uh, happen the way we want them to, uh, in, in timing or the way things work out as well. So as we're sort of sitting in that mess and as we're sort of wrestling with that, just be sort of interacting with God in how you do that, how do you trust him in that, what does that look like? And then I want to just uh, keep going through the passage here. And I want to ask the question of um, what's the go with Ishmael? I don't know if you've ever thought this and if you read the rest of the um, the, the book. So Ishmael comes out of um, behaviours that Abraham and Sarah do that are not right because it's sort of still one man for one woman for life idea and they sort of go off that and they try their own thing and even out of that then Ishmael comes along and it's interesting so out of that uh, God interacts with that and if you read the rest of chapter 16 if you have been reading them at home um, God still blesses Ishmael and God looks over Hagar and Ishmael in that and God's working out a plan and it's quite interesting because I don't know if you know any of the history out of um, uh, most people think and, and a lot of uh, Muslims think that um, out of the line of Ishmael comes the prophet Muhammad. So, Muhammad traces his, his, um, his ancestry back to Ishmael. And uh, a lot of people believe that a lot of the um, Arab nations and Muslim nations come out of Ishmael. What is God doing in this? People are making mistakes, things are going off the rails and God's saying, it's okay, I'm, I'm in control and I'm in working in and through this. And I think it's good for us to know in our circumstances, in our situations, in the world that we live in today, despite of how it may seem, that God is at work and we have to trust Him in that, even though it doesn't seem like it or feel like it at times. But God, and and we have this recorded, we have the Bible recorded, we have testimonies from people uh, of of days gone by, testimonies here in the church that God is at work even though we can't see it at the time and His ways are so far beyond ours. And He calls us to trust Him in that. Trust Him in that unknown. Um, This week I got a message, oh it was actually just yesterday, I got a message from uh, Rob Van Der uh, I don't know if you um, remember, it was a year ago that um, Rob brought to our attention Prosper in uh, Rwanda. So Gash's brother who uh, fell in a work-related injury uh, broke his back. Um, that was a year ago this week. And uh, Rob sent me this text, and I just want to read it to you. Uh, Fellow prayers, so people have been praying. Just want to remind you that it's one year, the 23rd of February, that Prosper had his accident. This time last year, Prosper was dying in in the lobby of a hospital. God then brought a visiting doctor to his aid who was able to move him to a better hospital. He was able to clear his breathing He then delayed the operation until funding was sorted and best equipment was brought in. He provided a Christian surgeon and through him and through an 11-hour operation, miraculous progress has been made, including physio uh, and now even enabled a legal decision that employers are now held responsible uh, for for their workers. And he has carried Prosper through a year of emotion and strain. God has done great things. Let's stop and thank and praise him. It's amazing, isn't it? But if you've been with Prosper or people around him during the course of this year, you wouldn't have been saying this. When he first broke his back, it's like, what is that? When he's dying in a lobby, what's going on? When the surgery gets delayed and it doesn't seem like it's going to happen, where is God in that? When it looks like he's not going to walk again, <laughs> where is God in that? And yet often, isn't it, in hindsight, we're in the, we're in the middle of things, we, we, we can't see what, what's God doing. But yet in hindsight we see that God was working and weaving his plan. Um, and God has done great things and miraculous things in Prosper's life. Uh, Rob also shared with me this week too, um, I don't know if you remember, this was a while back, a, a little boy, what was his name? Shane, who fell into a pot of boiling water. Can you remember that? He was third degree born, burns and really disfigured. That boy, I've got photos on my phone, started school this week. Pretty well as a normal kid without any uh, ramifications of that. God interact, and you think, what, what was God doing in the midst of that? And yet we see God's work being revealed for that as his glory uh, glory goes to his name. The flip side of that is traveling on a journey with Coraline's cousin, Sonia, who gets melanoma cancer and is praying and seeking and and she ends up dying. Or walking for seven years with Coraline's dad as he goes through motor neurone disease and people pray and, and, and work and, and, and interact with that. And he ends up dying. And yet in both of those situations, if you hear the testimony of people in and around that situation, they testify to the amazing work, presence and power of God. For all of that and I think we just need to be careful when we're praying and seeking God for our futures that we don't think God is more at work in the miraculous than he is in the silence he's at work in both and we see that right the way through these stories his power is revealed in miraculous ways and still can but his power and his grace and his might is also revealed through silence and uncertainty And in that, he says, trust me, I'll get you through. I'll work with you in these things. God is always at work, even when he answers our prayers with a no. Or answers our prayers with a wait, keep praying. Or it doesn't seem to make sense. As we head into chapter 17, now Abraham is 99 years old. And it's been 25 years since he first got the promise that his children were going to be the ancestry of great nations, many nations, and a king who would one day save them all. And God meets with Abraham, Abraham, and it's quite interesting if you read that. It's almost that he he meets him and he goes, "Uh, how are you walking with me? How are you walking with me? And then Abram and and God have this interaction uh, together uh, and he's um, again revealed uh, the promise um, that he's going to be the father of many nations. Uh, Abram's response, it's interesting, isn't it? When anyone sort of interacts with God, they fall down on their face and they're in awe of God. God gives Abram a name change and he's now changed to Abraham. And Sarai is changed to Sarah as a confirmation of this promise. I think I've got it up here, yeah. So the name changes, and then they're given specifics about the promise. They're given a time. You're now going to have this child within a year. Uh, You're given a sign. That's what all that circumcision stuff is about, is it's a sign of the covenant, and that's going to continue with your ancestors uh, here on. Uh, If you're wondering what all that's about, I haven't got time to go into it here, but uh, most sort of commentaries and scholars uh, recognize that this was a sign that marked uh, sort of the the flowing through of the seed, the ancestry uh, into the future. And back in Genesis 3, God promised that there would be this seed that would come, and it's marked here so that the men and women of Israel would know that that promise was true and was coming. And the child was given a name. He was named to, he's going to be known as Isaac. And so, what do you think Abram's response is to this promise? That inter- What do you think his response is going to be? We'll go to the next slide. <laughs> it's interesting, yeah? I think he's saying, 25 years is too long. I've been hearing this. I've been hearing this same promise for 25 years, Lord. And what does he do? He laughs in God's face falls down on the ground and says, <laughs> oh, yeah, right. How can, it, how can a hundred-year-old man have a child? I've heard it all before. This is Abraham, the great man of faith that we're supposed to be like? No, I don't think that's why the writer recorded this. The writer recorded this to show a God who is faithful to his promise, even when his kids laugh in his face. Even when his kids start to have doubts that he's in control and is going to be faithful to his promise. Because God doesn't really react to it. The only reaction that we really see (laughs) is that uh, Isaac's name means laughter. Laughter. So from then on, uh, as Abraham laughed about it, and later on Sarah laughed about it, uh, they were reminded (laughs) that what they thought was impossible was quite possible with God. Sounds familiar of New Testament language, doesn't it? (laughs) What's impossible with God, as Jesus talks to his disciple, I'm sorry, what's impossible with people, Jesus reminds his disciple of the promise, it's possible with God. He can still do the miraculous. He can still bring something out of nothing. And God is faithful to his promise. And soon we have Isaac born. And it's interesting, after he has that interaction, where God sort of says, you know, even though he laughs in his face, God says, it's okay, I'll be here. In a year, and you'll have Isaac. And yeah, I haven't forgotten Ishmael because Abram says, Why don't you? You should have, <laughs> it's quite interesting. Abram says, You should have used Israel. I mean, sorry, Ishmael. You should, what, you, you got it wrong, God. How often do we say that? <laughs> and when the interaction's finished, then what does Abram do? If we go to the next slide the end of the chapter finishes this on that very day abram got up and did what god told him he got up and he went and circumcised all the people himself and ishmael and the others why did he do that even though he just laughed in the face of god why did he do it because in the end he trusted (laughs) in the god of the promise And his doubt and his uncertainty was turned to, who else do I go to? You are the living God who have the words of eternal life. We're going to follow you. Just as his disciples reacted when Jesus was telling him uh, that the impossible is possible through God. And we remember last week that the righteousness that was given to Abraham Ultimately, we know through Jesus. And so there was nothing that was going to separate Abram from God's promises being fulfilled. And he was just called to get up the next day, the next hour, and believe God was at work in his mess. And to get on about living a life that God had shown him to live. So what about us as individuals of the church? <laughs> how do we go at keeping on trusting and obeying? And I think as we go into the New Testament, as we go into the rest, of the, Bi- the rest of the Bible, I think we're given a few hints on this. How do we keep trusting and obeying? We keep going back to the Bible because the Bible is the record of how God has been faithful to his promises in the mess of everyone's life. Uh, we, go, um, we know that we are recipients of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the one who will actually give us the strength and courage and faith uh, to actually get through these situations. The Holy Spirit is the one who will actually uh, intervene uh, in miraculous and uh, supernatural ways as well. And how else do we go? We go to the church. We go to each other. We go to our brothers and sisters here to help us to remember that despite our circumstances, God is at work. Just trust him through this. Uh, We pray together, we walk together, we encourage each other together um, through the highs and lows of life. And we remind each other, as the Bible does, as the Holy Spirit does, that we have a loving God who is faithful to his promise to build his church and to reveal himself uh, through us. He says, remember, trust me. knowing that God is at work, we together avoid sin and we take up the call to love God with all our hearts and souls and minds, to love our neighbours as ourselves. So we do know what to do next. We know what to do in the next situation. Sometimes we don't know what the details in that. And I, I was thinking about it today. I know that God's involved in the details, but I think sometimes God is more in, more concerned about the faith that we bring into those details than the details themselves. Sometimes we make the details and, rather than trusting a God that's going to help us through this and, 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 and work through it. Sometimes as we seek God for our futures, as we walk into the future and trust him in the mess, sometimes he'll interact with us supernaturally, like I see he he's done with Prosper and Shane But many times he won't in that sort of miraculous way. His supernatural work work in those situations is actually to give people the strength to get through that situation, to be able to testify to God's goodness when you're suffering and dying. And we do this as we move forward, we keep looking back. There's this line, uh, I think Ray Russ taught me this, said this line, that past behaviour is the best predictor of future behaviour. And that is so true with God. If we look back at his faithfulness to his people through all that, that is the best predictor of the way he's going to treat us and be with us, whatever situation or circumstances we find ourselves in. So this year, as we (coughs) head into 2017, this is the 25th year of this church as a church, we're still praying. We're still praying that God will grow us to be a people, a community growing closer to God and impacting people's lives by sharing Jesus Christ and extending his kingdom. And we're praying that God will raise up and grow disciples and we're praying that God will care for people and we're praying that the world will be reached through this church. And as we look back, we see his faithfulness to that. And as we look back, there's been highs and lows on that journey. As we look back, and as I look back as a leader, I see where I've sinned and I've fallen far short of what God would have wanted me as a leader in his church. I've seen leadership make wrong decisions. I've seen leadership make right decisions. I've seen us laugh at God. I've seen us doubt him. I've seen us take steps in great faith. I've seen people's lives transformed and others drift away. And yet one thing I know is sure, that God is working out his promises for this world through his church here at One Hope. And he is displaying his glory through us as we continue to see people moved in following Christ. And this year, as we head into this year again, he calls us, trust me, trust me, I'm at work. Stick with my words, stick with my spirit, stick with each other. As we go into this year, because I'm at work, I'm doing what i promised, is that I'm building my church and the gates of hell won't stand against it. I am working in this world to reveal my glory. I am fighting and sustaining you against evil. I have taken care of your sin. I have given you life eternal. And as we uh, wrap up, I just want to share this last passage. This is from Uh, Romans chapter 5 if you read Romans chapter 4 it's a whole chapter about Abram's great faith I read it and I laughed because I just read the story back there and this whole chapter is about how Abram had this great man of faith and never wavered I thought what didn't you read what he and it's and I think there's a sense of this it's as if he never wavered because God was making him faithful. God was the one that was fulfilling the promises and working it out. And then in Romans chapter 5, and this for me where it sort of uh, takes takes it for us uh, into uh, our lives moving forward, and like the songs that we sang uh, earlier, that gives us, um, when we grow tired, it's God's strength and God that lifts us up, uh, like uh, on the wings of eagles we sang earlier. In Romans chapter 5, It says, since we have been justified by faith, and that's the faith that we had someone fulfill the promise or the broken promise from our side, Jesus, through faith in that, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So this is where it becomes, you know, I've been talking about this is where it becomes practical. Despite your circumstances, if you see that big picture story that you've got a God who is going to get you through this because uh, Jesus did what he did, well, then it actually brings a certain amount of peace into that. And as we go further down here, it says that our suffering produces endurance, endurance produces character, character produces hope, and that does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through his Holy Spirit and his Spirit has been given to us. There's this sense that in our suffering, in our misunderstanding, our sin, our our uncertainty in that, God is working his good and producing this sort of stuff which displays his glory. The Holy Spirit has given us strength to be able to do that and interact with it. And then at the end, (laughs) that God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So in our doubt, in our uncertainty, in our wrong decision making, God (laughs) comes to us and says, I still choose you. You're my my children. I love you. I've given you a way to be right with me. So you can go into this week knowing and trusting that there is a God who is faithful to his promise, a promise to his children that he will never leave you or forsake you, that he will give you the power that you need to bear whatever situation you're facing, that he is a God that can actually interact with that supernaturally. He's a God that can bring healing and transformation and power that you would never experience. So you can pray for that and seek him and continue to pray for that. And as we seek to be God's people together, I want to encourage you to encourage each other to keep trusting this God who is ever faithful to his promise. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that you are faithful to us, that you love us beyond compare, that despite how we act and despite our our doubts and uncertainty and even our sin, um, Lord, We thank you that you still love us. We thank you that you have uh, made us right with you through Jesus and that you have forgiven our sins and that you have given us a new life, a new purpose that you bring to us through your Spirit uh, the things that we can't conjure up ourselves of love and joy and peace and hope. And Lord, we pray that we would live in that reality as we go into this week. Whatever circumstances we're in, no matter how long we've been waiting, no matter how uh, uh, uncertain we seem in that situation, we pray that you would raise up within us hope and faith and love and joy and peace and that we would display your glory in the way that we interact with that. Father, would you be displayed through your church? Would the world know that you are the living, active God as we, your people, live in faith to your promise? Help us to trust in you, in the name of Jesus. Amen.